1: Hello and welcome to The Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you breaking news, biggest stories and expert insight and analysis into everything that's going on in the world of football. With me today, uh, I'm glad to say, is our usual uh, pundit, the transfer doctor Duncan Castles. But we're very excited to welcome back an old friend. I say old friend, but he's now got um, author, filmmaker, star of La Liga television, um, all sorts of stuff going on. In fact, I suspect if his name, even though his name's not Felipe Sixth, he would be Spanish royalty or at least
2: the king of Catalonia. But two Sir Graham po- Hunter, welcome points, to the Transfer Podcast. Two, welcome back. Two points to me. Never dip a bourbon in your cup of tea. And talking about Felipe's, and you could have just stuck with it the old there. That would have been good enough, um, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well,
1: as you can tell, he's got up on the right side of the bed.
2: Yeah. <laughs> sure, about the Bourbons, though. Gypsy, Gypsy Kings. Is know what they call it? Gypsy Creams, they were. Gypsy Creams? Never dip a Bourbon in your coffee or your tea. No, you're absolutely right. I agree with that.
1: And just yeah. never drink, dip anything on your tea or coffee That is Thank my you. way of doing it or not. Yeah. Um, so now we've got over the introductions. Let's get on to the news because uh, obviously, Graham being an expert in the ways of Spanish football, and he's going to cont- contradict me at some point on that as well. Um, big news overnight that... Uh, um, part of the, 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 the believe that Barcelona will... Uh, land Antoine Griezmann from them um, statements on Catalan Radio from Miguel Ángel Gil Um, however, um, it's also the case that Manchester United contacted his representatives at the beginning of this week to find out if there's any possibility of hijacking that deal Um, Graham, this has been a bit of a running saga, obviously over the summer since uh, uh, the lovely Antoine did his uh, social media presentation uh, about his leaving Atletico, what in your understanding, has been a hold-up? And do you believe that Barcelona will land a man?
2: It's, it's very simple. It's not what I understand. The, the, uh, w- whether it's a hold-up or not, the, the fact is that um, Griezmann and Barca, Griezmann's representatives, who, who was led by his sister, they made a deal based in Turks and Caicos, um which was um, provisional, but ready to come into force. Uh, they did, Miguel Ángel Hill is telling the truth. It was back in March. Um, Griezmann's deal was player to club all the terms of his arrival at Football Club Barcelona everybody who's listening to you will know that um, it's effectively doing um, I wouldn't say the identical move but very nearly the identical move for from Thierry Henry who in 2005-06 had agreed to join Barcelona after the Champions League final in Paris was so furious not only at Barcelona, but at the way that Arsenal and he had not won the Champions League, they declined the move at the very last minute. And throughout the following season, he repented. Then joined one season later, and to, to much fanfare, a, a dull first season, and then a treble um, and an important presence. This effectively, in many ways, although the the terms of the of the deal will be different, is is extremely similar in that um, Griezmann repented relatively quickly and you can understand why some of the things that he was told by Atleti when he was persuaded to stay and he was persuaded to stay long before that um, video of the decision was released last summer just ahead of the World Cup and um, the reason that things haven't happened, the reason that you quoted Miguel Hill, which was absolutely right, because he said look come on everybody wake up this has been done since March um, Atleti having known about it um, the other the, the, the words that have probably been a little bit less focused on come from Griezmann himself who after beating Andorra said I know exactly where I'll be playing and I haven't spoken about it because it can't be announced yet, I'm impatient to get going and the reason for that is that he has one of these strange deals whereby his current clause is over 200 million but it drops to 120 million on July the 1st now that doesn't mean that exactly identical to Cristiano Ronaldo when he was held up one year from joining Real Madrid, I think 10 years ago now, exactly 10 years ago he joined. Having been due to join this previous season, Alex Ferguson said to him, you must stay. He did stay, but he set in place a mechanism to join the year later, um, which then went through on. During that time, Barcelona tried their hardest to to say to Manchester United and to Cristiano Ronaldo, come to us instead, Fernand Soriano, went and boasted to Raman Calderon, we will take um, Ronaldo without you being able to stop us. You think you're getting him in in May. Well, we're going to pay him more. We're going to persuade him to come to us. And Ronaldo said no. So it's quite legitimate for people to try and nick in, in this case, Manchester United, and and persuade somebody when the deal hasn't been announced. Um, The most dramatic deal of that ilk, I think, in our lifetime in, in Scotland was certainly Mo Johnson... Having effectively joined Celtic, but no ink on paper, and therefore Green Student Rangers were able to to do a deal that Celtic had been faffing around on things can happen at the last instance, and there are dozens of examples of slightly lower profile. So the fact that people want to take a pop at this idea of persuading Griezmann, and the fact that there are some people in the entourage around Football Club Barcelona who are um, a little bit more doubtful about Griezmann's fit Um, within the team and its current playing mode oh that's fine the facts are that Griezmann and Barcelona made a deal um, in late spring Um, that remains on the table the idea was to announce it to sign it to to pay the buyout clause of 120 million which gets paid to La Liga's offices and all of that sum goes to Atletico Madrid um, on July the 1st so if nothing goes wrong on either you know the part of either party Barca or Uh, Griezmann then that deal will be done on July 1st meantime I suppose you can take pot everybody is allowed to take pot shots and see if they can uh, divert it Who does he fit Graham into the team? (laughs) Yeah it's a a fair question I think that ability wise mentality I have absolutely no question I think he's underestimated in, in many quarters of the world I think that he's not only a phenomenal footballer he's a terrific athlete he's technically very gifted he has always had a little bit of the dog chasing after a, a tennis ball about him in that at L'Areal, he was allowed to do everything. He was allowed to play everywhere and to hear about the pitch using his natural enthusiasm to be involved in everything, which I don't think we used to think of as a, as a flaw, and it maybe still isn't a flaw. But as the game has gotten much more technically demanding strategic and as... Um, as playing systems have become more dominant over individual talent and and the application of individual talent is supposed to happen within a, within a part of a system. Griezmann's advancement at Atleti has been notable. Um, I think that he has, um, the other thing that's really important whenever we talk about moves like this is that he has the personal hunger. He remains desperate. You know, it stung him a lot to lose the European Championship to final to Portugal, to lose a Champions League final in Milan where he missed a penalty. They hit the woodwork with a penalty. Um, I think that this is a guy who uh, agglomerates just about everything that's right for a big club that wants to take him from Atleti. But when you're we talking about football club Barcelona, the, the the question always is, how does this person fit either day-to-day in training and on match days with Leo Messi? And I think that is a it's a reasonable question about if Messi and Suarez are playing, do they play a three with Griezmann wide and coming in? Do they play um, Suarez wide, not as a winger, but he has played wide, not based on his pace, but on his, his wit? Do they get messy as a, an out and out 10 in behind Suarez and uh, Griezmann. I think that you can. I, I genuinely believe that football is so malleable, and this coach, Ernesto Valverde, who is staying on, has proven himself to be not um, pedantic about what 4 3 3 and Barcelona needs to represent. He's been very um, solution full. I think that this is an era when the need to be agile about how to fit Griezmann in best will then transform during Griezmann's time at Football Club Barcelona, given his age, into him taking the place of Luis Suarez, So I don't really expect to have more than another season um, at at FC Barcelona. And therefore, the answer to your question is that there needs to be wit and cleverness about what shape Barcelona playing and one of those shapes we'll talk later I think about De Jong. one of the shapes we could have is a 4-2-3-1 and let nobody be under any mistaken apprehensions Valverde hasn't played an out and out 4-3-3 three, three at Football Club Barcelona um, very often it has, it has very much been um, a double pivot with Rakitic and Busquets with Messi Pretty much playing as an attacking midfielder, despite the extraordinary number of goals he scored. So the the, the way in which FC Barcelona's shape has been malleable um, has very much been a product of circumstances and personnel under Valverde. and therefore I see Griezmann in this first season. I, I don't have, I don't believe that it's that people's cynicism about Tani playing play in a four three three is actually even addressing the right question.
1: Surely Messi's already told Valverde how this is going
2: to work. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't go like that. Um, Messi's um, power and his influence are very, very high. But one of the things that's been extremely noteworthy over the last two years is the degree to which Valverde and Messi coincide in their thinking. Um, I think anybody from the outside who thinks that Messi said, this is how I want things to be, has a complete misapprehension of his football intelligence when he and he does express opinions and he does have preferences and you do run the risk of um under your assets if you don't take messi's um ideas and attitudes into account but messi's ideas and attitudes are not those of what how we portray s- superstar people in the world of sport um his his idea is a team ethic, is a team um, structure, team performance. And therefore, if there have been discussions, and I stress if, um, between Valverde and Messi about how this happens, then I'll be a little bit surprised that those will come. And also, I don't have any doubt whatsoever that in Messi's ideal world, uh Neymar Suarez and he would be reunited at Barcelona up front because they remained personal friends. It was a system that worked. Were um, all the doubts about Neymar's behaviour, character, his current situation, his cost, his age, his, his level of application, all, all that BS, <laughs> as far as Messi's concerned, that would be the thing to do. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Griezmann will happen. You know, anything certain until that ink dries. I think Griezmann will happen and I think that and also I have to say to both of you I mean I you know we live in the real world and I I think it's I've seen so much jackass behavior in the media here and in social media and and let's not waste any time talking about social media but you know there's been all this bullshit about um oh well and and even up to you know really serious commentators have been saying well If Griezmann turned Barcelona down once, then, you know, he can GTF. And, you know, once he said, no, this is you for a load of horse. I mean, it's just pathetic to listen to. You know, immediately you go to the Thierry Henry thing, whereas, albeit that when Thierry Henry first came to Barcelona, having turned them down a year before, it took him time. and, And they played in a losing season. It took him time to win the crowd over. But he became a central part of a treble winning side and earned his spurs, converted completely to the manner of playing, then had to relearn his game, did so. And therefore, in such a short time later, it's okay, a decade, for people to be on their high horses and be saying, well, because a player once turned you down, like, that's it. He, he shouldn't be invited back. This <laughs> talent that's at a premium in, the, in, this, in this game right now. And when you find talent of the right age who wants to come at a price you think you can afford you snap it up and I'm not, I'm not talking about this one I'm talking about any senior club you know you do the deal and and just ignore all the bull
1: well Graham, it's true to say Graham, that if um, the principle of you're know, not invited back twice were true then you'd now be basically struggling to find anywhere in Europe where you get a glass away <laughs> and a meal um, Duncan you've been keeping us abreast of all the um machinations at FC Hollywood uh, stroke PSG regarding Neymar um do you see Griezmann signing for Barcelona as being the end of that pursuit and also delight because Mino Raiola is now seems to be all over the place with regards to who he's going to sell his uh, his next prodigy
0: Well I th- I was going to ask Graham the question um given how successfully Barcelona managed to combine Neymar, Suarez and Messi in the past whether he sees um, that is a better sporting solution for them in terms of bringing those three who've played together um, previously back together rather than trying to work out a way to integrate Griezmann into the system.
2: I, I, I don't, Duncan, and, and I, there are two or three reasons. You know, I, I don't believe in rebuying the past. I think that's mm-hmm. a very uh, hard jigsaw puzzle to put together and nobody must ignore the fact that albeit that Suarez is on rock solid ground because he has had another brilliant season. It's impossible to under to misunderstand the theory of Griezmann a year ago, which was to pre prepare to do the opposite of what Football Club Barcelona did with um, Dembélé or Coutinho um, when Neymar left, which was to find them under under find themselves under prepared, to find them overspending, to find themselves in a rush. Uh, to find themselves captain mannering into embarrassing decisions and postures for players who've cost them too much and who, for various reasons, haven't fully performed yet. Now, therefore, one, Griezmann has been strategic and planned. He, I find it understandable that last season with the enormous outpouring of need from the club and the fans and the movement to a new stadium and the idea of trying to win Atleti, their much cherished Champions League in their own stadium, um, playing through a brilliant Europa League finale, having been pumped in last season's Champions League, and scoring twice. All these kind of things, I fully understand. But Griezmann was the right idea a year ago and remains the right idea now. To tack Neymar in, in terms of cost, the slowness of the deal with summer ticking by. Neymar is decidedly was at Barcelona and has at Paris Saint-Germain, been a decidedly mixed bag. And therefore, if you're talking about, you know, that concept, which clearly your idea appeals to certain people within football club Barcelona, beyond Messi I'm talking about, and Neymar is obviously a marketing phenomenon. The truth is that when they play together, we can't ignore that Suarez was at least um, four years younger, five years younger. Um, we can't ignore that if you repatriate the trio up front, I don't think it's long before Suarez, a guy who you know has scored in a away Champions a goal for three years, is moving on. So your three is immediately um, cut back again, decimated by a third. And I'd also say that when Neymar was was at his very best at football club, he he agreed to play in off the left wing, but he certainly started wide. He didn't play in his preferred position. He wasn't given the the freedom that he is now, both for country and club. Messi now plays very much in areas where if Neymar were to continue playing positionally and stylistically, like he has at Paris Saint-Germain, the effect would be wholly different. Does Neymar accept a slightly junior role if he comes back to football club Barcelona? No, I honestly don't see it. I, th- I think that although that there are people within the Nou hierarchy who, th- who think about it and I can see the idea that all that glitters is gold, I don't think it is.
0: Yeah, look, my, my information is that, um, that Barcelona would ask him to take a pay cut from what he's on a Paris Saint-Germain to come back. Um, which is one uh, other hurdle in, in that move happening. It's, it's fascinating that Qatar, the briefing I, I have from Qatar now is that they are absolutely ready to sell Neymar this summer, um, but on the condition that the financial package works correctly for them, which essentially is getting the money back that they, they paid to Barcelona um, to force them out of the club two years ago. Um which I think indicates that Paris Saint Germain have realised that uh, that Neymar comes with a lot of handicaps and uh, and is, is more trouble than he's worth, um, and want to restructure themselves from a sporting perspective by by moving him elsewhere. In terms of De Lecht, um briefing I had this morning is that the Barcelona haven't heard from Mino Raiola for three weeks now, um, and believe that they probably lost the player. Um, they. Have refused to increase their wage offer, which is already substantial, to Delekt, um, which is around the same level as they agreed to play Frankie De Jong. Um, whereas uh, Paris Saint Germain, I believe, uh, have uh, offered over five million euros net more um, for the player to come there, um, and obviously guaranteed him a place in the starting lineup. So it looks at present and. And with Mino Raiola, you can only ever say looks until the contracts are signed. It looks like the lift is going to end up at Paris Saint Germain. And Barcelona will have to look elsewhere for their new centre back if they decide to add one this summer, given that the lift becomes unavailable. What would your feeling be on that, Graham? If they can't get the lift, will they, will they sign a centre back or wait for um, an equivalent candidate to
2: come up on the market? Yeah. I think for once their tactics in this have been clear. And I don't think that in any way they feel buffeted by Raiola um, at all, and that it, it is over two weeks ago that they said, here's our final offer. And for once, the they meant it. They knew, they were absolutely clear that all the stuff about Manchester United, however much United would love to have a player like that, and he'd be ideal for them. Ideal, given that this is a 19-year-old who has flaws, mm. his lack of experiences. I think we're trying to talk in pure flesh terms, um, not talking about him as a finished footballer. At all, not neither is De Jong, and just you can't be at those ages playing at a Divisi. But we are talking about the way in which these players will develop and the authority they will um, they will demonstrate in coming seasons. But Barcelona were clear that director and Maiola were, were using Manchester United's need and uh, the money they were able to to offer as, as as a gig, and that Manchester United played along in that. And the briefing that came out from Woodward um, now about ten, eleven, twelve days ago at least, about no no, Manchester United aren't in was just a recognition that the tactic had failed. And Barcelona may be maybe um making the wrong move in not saying we will take the lift at any cost. That might be. I don't I I don't know. I don't deal with or frankly, care enough about high finance. and football clubs. I care <laughs> about the, the product of the pitch. But you're right in saying that um, everybody knows that Barcelona have decided, and I think uh, Duncan it is partially, it's only partially strategy. Barcelona are cash-strapped. There's no question about that. They've overspent. They need to clear out. They need to generate money. People are queuing up. Thing, this is <laughs> this is the sales. There's bargains to be had here. Then relatively similar position to Real Madrid and therefore it may be strategic it may just be that they're going well we don't have that extra money and we don't want to break our salary scales for people that we've already got here for a 19 year old and it may well be that everything you say corresponds precisely to how Barcelona feel about this kid and I think that they were buying him not, to answer your question about if they lose to Licht um I think that they will be I think they thought of him as special. I think they thought of him as somebody to bring as a, as a as a squad partner for De Jong, as somebody who can play out from the back and as somebody that they did expect to to play in the manner that PK did when he came back from Manchester United in summer 2008, which is to start nicking out 22 25 appearances learning your trade. Piquet exceeded that and knocked Melito out of the way, not Marquez out of the way. They won that bet. I thought they saw this is similar with delete. And if they don't get him, I think that barring strange happenings like injuries, if MTT remains injury-free during the summer, then I think they'll stick with Longley, uh, Piquet, MTT and Tadibo, who they rate very highly. Uh, Impossible to take a fourth centre-half? no. But I think that they would conserve their money and certainly conserve their money until the market was really mature. And if there was a bargain going and if they'd done well in the sales, they might augment. But if they went into the new season with Longley, Oum, Titi, Piquet and Todibo, they, they wouldn't be crying into their beer.
1: But question to both of you now, um, because obviously that, uh, you just mentioned, Graham, there has to be sales. Um, that may mean that Barcelona have to take a hit on fees that they paid. Yeah. players who have underperformed. So I'm going to give you each uh, the, the three players, and you've got to tell me if you think they leave and where they go. Uh, put you on the spot here. Um, Rakitic, who's been linked with Manchester United, Coutinho, who's been linked with Manchester United, and Malcolm. Uh, do you think those three will or
2: won't go? And if you do you think they'd go, where would you think their destination would be? First and foremost, Stephen Rakitic is utterly determined to stay. Um, he likes it very much where he is. he's got a decent length of contract he expect, he thinks he's worth staying I agree with him on that point 100% his wife is from Sevilla and I know um, from Ivan that the move from Sevilla to Barcelona was like moving planets for her and therefore a move to Northern Europe is not going to happen unless um, unless he's kidnapped by the SAS or Mossad um, he's utterly determined to stay it's not a bargaining chip And therefore, we all know the market is weird. Unless something outrageous happens, Rakitic will refuse to move and will be a Barca player next season. Coutinho, I think, um, Coutinho isn't going to make it, I don't think. And I think that they will cash in. It's not to their great, it's not a great aid to them. I think Chelsea are probably not going to be able to operate in this market. I'm not even sure how much Roman Abramovich wants an appeal to to go through in that he's looking to sell. And I think that he'd like to get this ban sorted out as quickly as possible. Um, And I don't think he's all that keen on spending huge amounts in the transfer market anyway, is my opinion. But um, if if Chelsea were operational and bid, if Manchester United bid seriously, Coutinho's willingness to go to Manchester United after Liverpool, I'd have to question Therefore, I view that as a thorny subject. I see it as a guy who, who wanted to be at Barcelona and who thought he had enough uh, cojones to make it work. I see a very dispirited, very unhappy, down in the mouth guy. Um, he bruises like a peach. And therefore, I see it very difficult, In that Coutinho remains at Barcelona next season. But I, but I don't see, and I don't, haven't been told of, an easy market solution there will the people be picking away at it seeing if they can get continue on the cheap because he obviously remains an extremely talented footballer but right for Barcelona, I know and I think that they were, they're were they desperate to cash in on him and I think that if the right move comes all parties will pat each other in the back but where that right move is I, I honestly don't know and Malcolm is somebody that um, Gus Poyet, who I work with monthly at La Liga Television told me about having coached Malcolm told me a lot about his personality told us on television about where this guy can reach. And I think that because Valverde didn't ask for him because this Markham was foisted upon him last season, it took a long time for Markham to get game time. When, it, when he did get game time, it was proven that he is adept. Um, Valverde insisted on using him on the right, cutting in onto his left. He, he really only has a left foot. His pace, his, his snout for a goal, his ability to take men on, his attitude. The players really like him. I must say, in general, the players really like Coutinho too. These Brazilians are, are not Ronaldinho party animals. They are Neymars. They they have fitted in well. Their work ethic is good. Malcolm will make some some club a very happy man when they get married. And yeah, he'll be sold. And I would say that shrewd clubs will be looking to buy him at a price less than it uh, from Bordeaux. And there is a footballer in there, no no doubt about it he, not at the grades we've been talking about Greedsman, Neymar, Messi Suarez, but Malcolm has ability, real ability and pace and the attitude. There's a bargain waiting there
1: Duncan, would you think Malcolm might be a possibility for Tanity? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, if we sell the entire club three times over, we might just about be able to afford them um. <laughs> I, I think uh, I think Graham's absolutely right. There'll be a, a significant market for Malcolm. There was a significant market for Malcolm in the Premier League before he went to Barcelona, um, and he um, yeah is well suited, I think, to English football. Um, and if the, if Barcelona come to the end of the window, still needing to gather cash uh, from uh, their their efforts to pay for the the players coming in and to pay for new salaries, then there could be a chance for bargain. There for someone. Um, Rakitic- I see Spurs.
1: Duncan. Would you see Spurs as a possible destination? Tottenham were one of the
0: clubs they were interested yeah. in but but look, he's already had the pay rise of going to Barcelona. Um, so you're increasing his his cost to Daniel Levy as well as you know. Even if Barcelona come down on on their fee, you're talking significant money there. So I I don't see him as being the most likely signing in that area for Tottenham because he's probably too too expensive for them already um, Rakitic Manchester United continue to try and persuade the player to come um, he is very high on their list as a midfield reinforcement um, my information is similar to Graham's in that he doesn't want to move and is resisting that approach uh, I think Barcelona are asking for 50-55 million euros for the player. I doubt United will go there in the end so I think that the outcome is, is likely to be as Graham predicts and he, he will um, stick his fingers in and remain at Barcelona for another season and I doubt they'll be that upset about retaining him because of his quality as a player. I mean there's a reason why United want him and he, he's Although there's been quite a lot of grumbling about his age from Manchester United supporters and a, a, the idea that it's another Bastian Schweinsteiger, wow, I think that completely awesome. miss, completely misses yeah, well um, the way Rakitic has been playing at Barcelona, oh, okay. um, his, his injury and fitness record, um, and United have to be realistic here. I mean, they, they've gone down this; they're, they're pushing this idea that they're going to sign young, talented British players who will turn into top footballers down the line you know the kind of um, Daniel Levy Tottenham model from five, ten years ago United have to reinstate themselves as proper competitors in the Premier League they have to reinstate themselves as competitors for a Champions League place they need players who can hit the ground running and lead their team and from that perspective, someone like Rakitic, if you could persuade him to come, makes a huge amount of sense because you, could, you could, could completely change the way the club operates, the football team operates, by having an individual of his, his type in there. But uh, I'm, I'm with Graham, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, Philippe Coutinho, also interest from Manchester United, not as um, intense as the, the pursuit of Rakitic. Um, definite interest from Paris Saint-Germain, who he's been offered to. Um, interesting that um, that uh, Graham mentions Chelsea uh, because Coutinho is obviously represented by um, a couple of agents who have very strong links to Chelsea, have done a huge number of deals to that club. Um, briefing I had last week was that Coutinho's preference would be to go to Chelsea um, rather than Paris Saint Germain, um, but of course, dependent on the transfer window ban being lifted, which it looks um, almost certain not to happen, um, I also agree with Graham that the idea that Abramovich spends that amount of money on uh, on one player. Um, in terms of salary and uh, and transfer fee at a time when he's trying to sell the club strikes me as a little strange. So I, I suspect that briefing comes more from um, the desire of the agents to bring Chelsea into the equation than it does from um, an actual defined and, uh, and fixed preference on Coutinho's part. Um, Paris Saint-Germain have tried to get the player before uh, it would make a lot of sense, particularly if they managed to to get Neymar off the books and um, give Kylian Mbappé what he wants in terms of being the, 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 the front man of the club and the front man of the attack. You could see Coutinho um, fitting into a new system and, and being a provider for Mbappé. Um, but that depends on um, how much Qatar are going to spend this window um, and obviously depends on what they can raise from sales with Neymar being a, a key figure there. Mm.
1: So Duncan, let's wrap up this um, <coughs> Barcelona news uh, with uh, another exclusive uh, bit of information from yourself regarding a Barcelona youth player and a possible move to England.
0: Yeah, this player is uh, Ansu Fati. He's a 16-year-old who's been one of the stars of uh, the Barcelona youth team. Um, scored four, four goals in the uh, UEFA Youth League this season. Um, two in the semi-final against Chelsea. Um, he... Is actually out of contract at Barcelona, and has um, been attempting. The club has been attempting to negotiate a new deal to retain him. He's not happy with the conditions he's being offered, and that they want to uh, keep him with the under-nineteens for a season, um, and then move him to the B team um, for the next two years. He and his uh, and his father believe he's ready to go straight to the B team. Um, there is as you'd expect of a player who's scoring a lot of goals and comes through the Barcelona youth system um, a lot of interest from uh, clubs in Europe Borussia Dortmund one of the teams um, who are keen on him no surprise there given the, the policy of uh, of taking uh, players from uh, youth sides across Europe and putting them quickly into their first team that Dortmund have successfully followed in recent years he has an offer from Monaco he has an offer from Nice In England, um, both Manchester United and Newcastle United have made approaches to the player. There's a complication in that um, he at present does not have an EU passport. He was born in Guinea-Bissau, spent most of his life in Spain. Uh, Therefore, an English club could not sign him. At present, as it stands, and uh, I think any English club who fancied trying to bypass the underage recruitment rules um, for a non-EU player would be uh, very uh, well advised to avoid that. Given what's happened to Chelsea and what's about to happen to Manchester City uh, in terms of uh, two, uh, one or two window transfer bans for for breaching those rules. However, Fatih's, um has his passport application in process and his father says he should have that soon which would allow those English clubs to come in for him um, which uh, if they do is going to put significant pressure on Barcelona to improve their offer to him both in terms of finance but also in terms of uh, allowing him to go directly into the, the B team as he would like to do for this coming season
1: It's a saga which could have been written on epic terms by Tolstoy or Tolkien. Yes, we're talking about Aiden Hazard to Real Madrid. He's being presented this week, eventually, thankfully, and with great relief, I think, from everyone in the football that it's finally been concluded. Uh, he is a Real Madrid player. Um, Graham, uh, you obviously see uh, Madrid play. All the way through the season, we know that Zidane has already spent substantial amounts of money in this window. He will, you will spend more. Um, where do you see Hazard fitting into the Real Madrid team? What does it mean for Gareth Bale? And do you think that Hazard has got what it takes to be a success at the Santiago Bernabeu?
2: There's a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> I pride myself
1: I, I, on I, this I, as, my, as my presenting kind of style, I, you know.
2: I don't think uh, I don't think there's a proper answer to your question unless there's Zidane because there's such uh, a mishmash of um, ideas and debates and arguments at Real Madrid that to say categorically this is how we play structure ideal ideology um, we can easily say how Hazard will play under Zidane because Zidane's ideology is clear-cut, but there is so much cutting down of shrubbery um, in order to see the main trees uh, that needs to happen that him being absolutely completely convinced of a playing formation, um, I, I think is likely to happen in in pre-season. In theory, um, you've got Benzema who will play and Jovic who despite his cost and despite the fact that he is, he's patently an extremely exciting finisher. I'm not convinced he's that much of a footballer, but given that he's been brought to augment the fact that Real Madrid were short of goals last season, maybe you've got two strikers. Now, if you've got two strikers, um, you've got, you know, overpopulation of attacking midfield isn't the phrase, isn't nearly sufficient. And I'm not suggesting that because Asensio and Isco are there, that means that Eden Hazard is going to have to fight for his place. The only fight he's got is to match the part that was your last question about has he got what it takes. It's a thrill to have him in La Liga. He is patently, patently one of the world's exceptional footballers. I would offer a personal um, thought, which is not sceptical, but I do think that um, because he is one of the more... <laughs> he, he's an oddity because the idiot is balanced and happy and easygoing <laughs> rather than high-strong and diva-esque and constantly looking over his shoulder as so many in the high levels of football playing are uh, right now. Hazard is, um, is patently a guy who's still loves being on the ball, loves entertaining, um, has a pretty easygoing demeanour towards those around him and has still, despite that, that extremely big handicap in the modern game, managed to be a serial winner at um Chelsea and not quite, you know, knocking on the door of being a World Cup winner, but not not that far off it, I would have argued, not that far off it last summer. So his his Neither his ability nor his ability to, to inspire a team to trophies is, is should be under any question in this podcast or when it comes to Spain. But Real Madrid is is different, sadly. Uh it it, it is a place where he's gonna find it. Um it, it's gonna change his the the, the familial um still moderately easy going squad atmosphere at Chelsea. And albeit that Sari is a demanding man, demanding coach, and albeit that Hazard has had difficult times before, whether it be with Conte, or with Mourinho, in blips or for longer terms, and he survived it. This is going to be um, a test for him because he comes into a club where it is brutally political, where the media is much more asphyxiating than anything he's experienced so far by a million miles. And you can choose not to read them, but he will be he will be demanded upon most instance of most days there will be an enormous level of expectation placed on him there will be utter shit written about like finally we've got Cristiano Ronaldo replacement but that, that will that will horribly definitely happen to him and the idiocy that surrounds him will be new to him what's more rumored what right now although they've got lots and lots of clay they're still working on the shape of that, of that pot and Therefore, he's not coming into a system in pre-season where everything is lean and mean and clear-cut. They don't have a fitness trainer because their fitness trainer has just left. There will be one by the time he comes back from holidays. But he's coming into, even again, to call it a work in progress, uh, would be generous in that uh, he's going to have to, to to answer the last part of the question, he's going to have to be uh, more characterful, more shrewd, uh, more mature, more patient than he's been, than than has been asked of him at any stage in his life previously. I think that he's come to Real Madrid not just because he wants to kiss the badge or get extra money. He patently thinks this is going to be the place that will elevate me to a Champions League trophy that will make me a repeat league winner, despite them having won the league twice since two thousand and eight. And this is the club that can elevate me to proper contention for the Ballon d'Or whichever that knows him, seems to think that he should be a competitor for that. But boy, oh boy, this this must be like what actors come into I've always wanted to work with that director. And you come in and the script's a mess and the budget isn't quite there and the props aren't made and you think, I'm just gonna believe. I'm just gonna hang on. So without being pedantic, some of the parts of your question really need to be in more at Real Madrid and Zidane and the background. And and Zidane and his listen, I'm not I'm not predicting here now Zidane doesn't start the season but it was was a rubbish idea coming in two thirds of the way through the season the team performed utterly rubbish under Zidane and there is ill feeling there are players who don't want to be cleared out who are being cleared out there are players who are staying Tony Kroos who shouldn't be staying and right now although Zidane has had all his petitions met in terms of Mendy in terms of Hazard um, Jovic is more of a club thing (laughs) There is no question that Pogba is the one that Zidane wants. Again, I think that's mistaken. But Manchester United don't want to sell. Florentino Perez wants Ericsson instead. Zidane wants his son Luca promoted to second choice goalkeeper. And it will be a massive effort to persuade him that Luca should go out on loan instead. But this, there are areas of conflict, even between you know the, the president and the coach, who so far have been butchering Sundance throughout all their lives since Monte Carlo and. 2000 or 2001, when Florentino first passed that, and that kind of person to say, well, do you want to come and play for Real Madrid? It's brutal then Eden Hazard is coming into quite a boiling pot. I think
1: you're right, um, Graham. Hazard's personality is one which um, will be new to Real Madrid, I'm sure, because he does have a reputation amongst his teammates and coaches of being someone who like, he's very easy-ozy, you know, he's, he's very kind of laid-back, etc, cetera, etc cetera. loves his football, but doesn't like to train that hard prefers to do stuff on the pitch, etc, cetera, etc, cetera. and as you say, the politics of the Madrid dressing room is something which he will never have encountered before. Duncan, I'm going to pick up a phrase Graham used, and I'm sure it will um, amuse you Is there such a thing as the new Cristiano Ronaldo? <laughs>
0: Um, I think uh, Cristiano Ronaldo would like to think that the new Cristiano Ronaldo will be his son when he's prepared him uh, to play professional football, uh, if he, he can force him down that line. But um, I don't think you can replace him like for like with anyone in the modern game. I think that's impossible. Um, I think uh, Eden Hazard's desire to come to Real Madrid has been obvious. Um, he's forced that move. Um you reported that the fee had been agreed on the on the transfer window podcast uh, like three weeks ago. Now, um, apparently, uh, Granovskaya went back on that agreement at the last uh, stage and asked for an additional uh, 20 million euros in the deal, um, which forced Real Madrid to restructure. Um, with a uh, an initial payment and then um, 40 million of additional payments based on uh, on bonuses most of which are, are fairly easy to achieve I'm also told that um, Ed and Hazard uh, may well have accepted a pay cut um, to help facilitate that increase in the uh, in the final uh, agreement which again is a, an indication of how much is uh, desire. come to uh, Real Madrid was not a pay cut on his Chelsea salary, by the way, a pay cut on what he'd initially agreed with Madrid. So he's still going to be um, very much uh, uh, better off at Madrid than before from a financial perspective. Um, Zidane absolutely wanted Hazard. Um, He also absolutely wants Paul Pogba and is pushing uh, Florentino Perez to complete that he's pushing against an open door in terms of Mino Raiola and Paul Pogba they both want that move Manchester United are the big block um, I'm interested for Graham's views of how those two combine in the team how you set, assuming Madrid can make that deal happen how do you restructure Real Madrid's midfield and attack to combine those two in one side and do you think it works on
2: paper? I'm I, I, I listen. If I was a merengue, I'd be really worried, Duncan. I, I think you know we don't, we don't need all of us to to magnifying glass on Paul Pogba right now. I I think he's you know an extremely gifted footballer, but yeah. is he a, a harasser, a chaser, a closer? Is he known for pure industry? No, he has some elements of that, but he also believes himself to be filigree and. You know, there are places where his fit would be instant, um, in my opinion. And at Real Madrid, I don't think we can say that. I can see how Zidane might want to bet on him. I could see how Zidane might say, I can, I can, <laughs> I was going to say, I can see how Zidane might say I can make this function, but that's a lie on my part. Um, you know, they're going to get rid of Llorente. <coughs> they're going to keep Valverde, who's a 20, turning 21-year-old kid, of real talent but what happened in okay so if, if if i was to be if i was to use brevity what's wrong with casemiro casemiro was exceptional um both before zidane came and once zidane came casemiro's ability to do the work of two men he's not identical to kante but at, Cas- at casemiro's best he was a tonic for real madrid dark arts never sent off until this season in his entire career, did anything that was needed. Um, his ability to read, play, and anticipate and defend and funnel the ball, but also he is highly technical. And the world fell out of his backside. this. The world fell out of his bottom this year. He was the one... That was honest and kept going to pit side interviews post match saying, We're all playing really badly, me worst of all. We have to accept that. It was great journalistically. It was so refreshing to hear a player speaking honest, but but that's only in the moment. I don't know if it was his first World Cup. I don't know if it was overplay. I don't know the kid who's an honest, hardworking guy and likable in the extreme. I don't know what went wrong. I'd love to be able to say it was the fact that they had a poor pre season that Lopetegui came in with a new fitness coach that Lopetegui was asking him to play more possession, position football. He'd just come off a disapp- <laughs> excuse me, a disappointing World Cup and, and he was tired and he never got his, his his ultra-competitive fitness back. But there's your, there's the answer to your question because Casemiro used to cover up so much lack of work by Tony Cruz prior to last season and allow Cruz simply to do the the, the nice sort of, um you know, leather driving glove stuff. You know, there was no blue collar stuff from Cruz. Modric is a mix of both, but Modric is now must be thirty-four. Um, played until he dropped this season. Modric is somebody who I think that they would probably prefer to have as a senior citizen in there, but if, if the right move came, then I, I can't believe that Modric wouldn't move. I, I I think on balance I see him staying. So if you principal members of your midfield and it and it can at best be a midfield three are Pogba, Cruz, Casemiro with Modric interchanging with one or other of them, then everything about your answer, everything about your answer is based on Casemiro, who needs to be not only back to his very best, but probably better still. So, frankly, honestly, I, I think Pogba to this Madrid is a mistake.
0: Well, you're looking You're looking potentially at a left-hand side, assuming they let Pogba play in his preferred left midfield role, Hazard off the left wing, and probably
2: Marcelo half the time. No, no, Mendy, 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 you know, now that Mendy's in, I mean, you're, you're right, Marcelo will still play. He's been told he wants, to, the Zidane wants him. And one of the great things that, that you have to say is that Marcelo retained his ability to play utterly brilliantly on the front foot while he was mm-hmm. two or three kilos overweight. Useless defensively. I mean, with all the positional sense of Mark Thatcher in the desert, but um, he's now he's now stripped. He has shed the weight. He's in brilliant nick, and therefore there is competition. But now that Mendy's been signed, you have got that left side of you know Mendy, uh, Pogba, Bowen signed, and 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 Hazard, which is thrilling. But all I'd point out is we are talking about a team that people found that they could punch through like wet paper and drag around and run through and counter- counter-attack against and people didn't counter-back, didn't press high, didn't counter-back. And all I'd ask you is, despite the beauty of the left side you're describing, does does Pogba press and work his socks but, off? Because he's coming into a team where he'd have to.
0: That's my point, Graham. You, you, you would hate to have to defend against it, but you'd yeah. love to target yeah. the attack. Yeah. Them. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Agreed,
1: agreed, agreed. So, um, <clears throat> Mick Bookie will now predict, on the basis of our yeah. amazing um, insight from our pundits, that Real Madrid will not be winning La Liga next season. So, uh, lay them at your leisure. We want to move across Madrid now. 'Cause we wanna ask um uh, the royalty of, of Spain about Atleti. And um Graham, what you what are the the kind of what are the vibes around the club? Because it, it seems from the outside that um one year into the new home et cetera et cetera but they seem to be going backwards in terms of their performances in terms of their application that there's players leaving um hernandez obviously and Griezmann, uh, and and nothing's been mentioned about who they might recruit do you sense this is a club that that maybe has peaked and is now going into a downturn uh,
2: you you could suggest that because um every Every phenomenal person, um, let's not talk business and industry, but, but in sport, has a has a burnout, has a sell-by date where gradually there's um, a, a sort of declining uh, force, and declining returns. And I find it hard to to say with certainty that that's true right now of Diego Simeone. But I, I do worry. Uh, one of his principal weapons was Ortega, his fitness coach, Midway through last season, he said, mm-hmm. I mean, literally, I mean, they're umbilically linked. And, and Ortega has been fundamental to not only Atleti's ability to constantly press, but to move as if they're all chained together. Ortega uh, w- was still viewed as a fundamental piece for Simeone last summer. And midway through this season, Simeone said, Well, actually, what I have to admit is we don't look particularly well prepared for the demands of this season. Ouch. Well, that's a disintegration. When Sineoni signed his new deal, it was a huge surprise to me. Huge. Now, he's been learning English. Tr- sorry. He's been trying to learn English since the 2014 season when Chelsea offered him the job once they knocked Chelsea out uh, via Sineoni's sister. And he can't. He can't learn English. For as much as he tries, no danger. And his assistant, uh, German Monaburgos, has learned English nicely. And I found it interesting that Simeone renewed in late spring, whereas Monoborgos didn't get a new deal. Not yet, anyway. So we're looking at um, a player like Lucas, who's a World Cup winner and very young, saying, I see better prospects at Bayern Munich. You know, where, where frankly, you kind of walk the competitions. Um, we're, we're seeing Griezmann repenting in his decision to stay by early spring, certainly by the... By the day of the event, the second leg, Griezmann is like, Well, I'm out of here. You told me this would be better. You told me there'd be reinforcements. You told me that it'd be more fun to play here. That didn't work. Godin and Juan Fran, Felipe Luis, um, I think we'll all go. Godin's gone. Juan Fran's gone. Um, Felipe Luis, I don't think it's been 100% confirmed yet, but he will go. Um, they're going to have to rely on youth team products, Saul. Um, was played at left back or left wing back so from by Simeone that really he fell out of love with his coach there, there is not a brilliant feeling between those two Rodri at centre midfield is being tempted by a number of clubs and it's obvious why because this is an outstanding footballer whose, whose development has has not been stunted but it, it, it hasn't been exponentially the way it should have been having moved from Villarreal and having been in the environment he's in we could have seen more of Rodri. And there's a, there's a slight degree which Cholo Simeone, the intense day-to-day manager, wants to see Rodri being a little bit more, a little bit less laid back day-to-day, not in games, but day-to-day. And it's not a major fissure. You know, much worse situations have existed with player and manager and they've stayed for years together. But right across the board, I back your idea that one, the the, the playing style is now has become... Undefined blurry. to senior players, um, including now O'Black, who renewed because of a massive new offer. They when they went out to Juventus and when they lost the league as well um, to Barcelona with Diego Costa sent off, they 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 went. If it wasn't panic, it was something somewhere close to it. It was the same knee-jerk instinct with which Barcelona lashed out the money on Dembele and continue The 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 club. Um, so, his, so the president, Miguel Aguil, who, who was much more hands-on in running things, said, we must keep our two major assets. Who are they? Our two major assets, given the new Graceman was going then, were well, there Simeone and O'Black. And they pumped money at them. And and now Oblak, I think correctly, is saying, well, what, the, what the hell did I do that for? black's exceptional. And I think that any club, no, let's name the club. If Manchester United don't pay his buyout clause, they're crazy. So, your question about are they in decline, I think it's a little too soon to say automatically, yes, they finished second twice in, in the Champions League. They're raking in plenty of money. They'll rake in plenty of money for Griezmann. Um, I, I think that they're they're cash rich but energy poor.
1: Duncan, you reported a couple of weeks ago on, on the podcast that um, Man were prepared to meet the buyout clause for Rodri. Um, is that still the case or do you think that Atletico might persuade him to stay?
0: Uh, absolutely, they're, they're prepared to pay the lease clause for Rodri. Um, that's a priority position for them to reinforce and they really like the player. Um, they see €70 million Euros as a, a relative bargain um, for uh, his age and his abilities and the fit to their, their team. Um, as I said at the time the briefing from people around the club and the player was that he would be a Manchester City player. Uh, subsequent to that you've seen Atletico um, putting out that they're prepared to match or better any offer he gets from another club. Um, interest from Bayern Munich as well. So uh, uh, it seems the decision is still to be made. Um, a final decision is still still to be made but uh, Manchester City are confident they have him um, and uh, and are, are kind of in a war with um, Atletico um, and other clubs over uh, another target which is uh, Jean Felix at, um, at Benfica um, the latest on that is that uh, Benfica's president spoke to um, club supporters uh, last week and essentially said we cannot hold this player um, against the offers that are being uh, put to him. Uh, he mentioned a figure of €6 million Euros net a season that have been offered to Felix, and he said it's absolutely impossible for Benfica to match those sums even though we want to keep him. Uh, the release clause will be met. We have those offers on the table. Uh, our only hope is that we can persuade the player to stay another year on loan. And I think that is a, uh, a bargaining Chip that uh, Benfica are trying to apply at the moment with clubs and and say we we would um, and with the player uh, trying to work on the player and say it's better for you to remain another season in Benfica you get your big deal you get your pay rise but uh, you stay with us whether they can find a club um, who will permit that to go forward? I don't know. Uh, Interested to know what Graham's thoughts are on Felix at Atletico. Um, It seems to me that would be a very high-pressure move to come in as the replacement I couldn't agree
2: agree more in that you can see why if this was the Atletico of three, four years ago, you'd, you'd make the deal immediately because he comes in with time to be blooded. He comes in not absolutely having to have an immediate impact um, I, I couldn't agree with you, you more that even now he looks like the right age, attitude, ability, charisma, I think, which is important too, if there's no massive pressure on him. But there is. There's gigantic pressure on him right now. Marata will, will shoulder the central burden of being the nine. Diego Costa is a complete unknown. What's his mental state? His age is wrong. His weight is wrong. His behaviour was just pathetic last season. What do you get from him? You know, you can estimate, you can you can do an actuarial idea about what you get back from him another season if, if you keep him. So, in other words, your portrait of, of Joe Felix coming in at a huge cost um, at that age with his level of experience to this club stinks of risk. Now, you know, to, to my way of thinking, Yet the other idea which appeals to Charles Simeone which is to buy Cavani you know the club are resisting it because of his age I have no idea if PSG would do that deal but that's the you know okay everyone would like to shave a, a couple of years off every elite player's age but um, that's the portrait of the guy and the player and the experience that Atleti need compared to Jean Felix. And I know you were asking, Duncan, from Jean Felix's point of view as much as from Atleti's point of view. And I liked your thought that if Benfica are saying, well, okay, we'll sell you, we'll help you, we'll sell you now, but I'm back for you. That doesn't help Atleti one little bit. So it would need to be another club that that applied to, in my opinion. Well, I hate to say this,
1: but because this, this debate could go on. Uh, for probably another hour, an hour and a half, and it would be just as intriguing, insightful, and entertaining. Uh, therefore, I recommend to you, our listeners, that if you want uh, more, then just basically listen to it again. Um, however, <laughs> we have to move on to the legendary quickfire round, which is legendary, of course, for not being so quick. Quite actually, quite long. Uh, and my question to our esteemed. Uh, panels today is very simple. We've got two major signings for the two major clubs in the Liga. Eden Hazard for Real Madrid and Franco de Jong for Barcelona. I would like both of you to weigh up what you think this season ahead holds for them and give an opinion on who you think will have the better season. Starting with whom? I think we'll start with you, Graham, as
2: our esteemed guest. (laughs) <laughs> I haven't touched a drop today. Um <laughs> so um I I think that Azard will be the one that uh, you know that Jack Dawes will be attracted to, Magpies will be attracted to, but he will glitter more than Dion. I think that um Azard will probably look like individually the guy who's at the better time. I think there's an easier fit for dion into the playing style, into the attitude, the you know, Barcelona are easy now to find risible because of the display at Anfield. But albeit that they have, you know, pretty serious structural problems to deal with and financial difficulties, they did come within four goals of winning a treble, and therefore De Jong is going to fit into a bunch of players whereby they will understand is is his technique, his ideas, he has the right behaviour styles, he has the right schooling, he will help Busquets a lot, he will fit, as Duncan said, with Rakitic. no question about that. De Yong Artur will gradually help us sort of keep the ball a good deal better. And therefore I think systematically and possibly in terms of trophies, I think De Jong might have the the better team season. But I think that it's it's natural given the quality of the football we're talking about given the level that Hazard is at right now, I, I think probably he's the one that will glitter a little bit more individually.
0: Duncan? I, I'm intrigued to see how Eden Hazard does in this first season in La Liga. I mean, he's a brilliant footballer. He's been one of the best footballers in Europe, certainly one of the best footballers in the Premier League for years now. Um, but this is a very difficult move for the reasons that Graham explained earlier. Um, he's coming into a difficult dressing room, Uh a huge overhaul of the squad in which, which one of the key components still isn't in place. Um, this dispute between Zidane and Florentino Perez, um, his best friend in the camp will likely be Thibaut Courtois, who is not um, a favourite figure under Zidane and who's um, Zidane's son will be pushing uh, for a place in the team. Um, we've seen Azard go from the best season of his career at Chelsea where he won the Premier League and was voted uh, uh, Player of the Year for the first time to the worst season of his career uh, off the back of um, a poor uh, summer where he um, where he didn't have a proper pre-season training and, and really struggled to, to re-establish himself in the team. So I, I think he's the kind of character, if things go against them, um, they could slide a bit and... And as, as Graham points out, Madrid is a completely different environment from a media perspective, especially with that, that fee on his head um, and that, uh, that, that story that he is the Cristiano Ronaldo replacement. He's the man to solve what went wrong when they allowed uh, Ronaldo to be sold to Juventus. That's a, a massive weight of expectation for the character he is. So I'm, I'm fascinated, fascinated to see how he responds to that. De Jong is super talented, it's much easier to fit into a team that's winning. He, as far as I can see, has all the attributes to be a top Barcelona player. That's why they, they put so much money down to sign him. Um, he's grown up in the Ajax model, which is very similar to the Barcelona model. It's about a smoother transition as you can have um, at that age, moving from a, a relatively minor European league to um, one of the top teams in the world. So I think I think overall, at the end of the season, we'll probably be saying that De Jong had a better footballing season in terms of actual fundamental impact on the team uh, than Eden Hazard.
1: Well, Hazard had his best goal-scoring season at Chelsea in his seven years there as well as the most assists this season. But my own um, contribution to this debate will be um, a recollection which uh, both uh, our pundits will um, know and enjoy. And that was when um, Andy Cole and Teddy Sheringham fell out at Manchester United because Cole refused to defend a corner and United you know, conceded a goal. And when Sheringham questioned on that, he said, Andy Cole don't make tea. Now, we take that back to the bourbon debate at the start of the podcast. <clears throat> and I would say <laughs> this about Aiden Hazard and Cristiano Ronaldo in terms of the uh, the uh, similarities or not. Aiden Hazard don't do headers. Cristiano does. Uh, and that's why he got so many goals in the Liga. Um, Going to wrap it up now, but I want to say to all our North American listeners, and we have thousands there, and we love you guys. Uh, you engage with us every week and um, you absolutely contribute to what we do on the podcast. The good news is that Graham's amazing film, of the book, Barca making the greatest team in the world has been released in USA at last. Take the ball past the ball, go and watch it. It is an absolute gem. If it doesn't win an Oscar and we don't see Mr. Hunter up there on the stage collecting that. Well, it could be a donkey. It could be an Oscar. We're not sure uh, for the best f- uh, factual film. Then I will be absolutely flabbergasted. Um, because he should have his name on uh, and his handprint indeed
2: I, I uh, think I think the only danger for Take the Ball Past the Wall is that it might win a cults Academy Award but no <laughs> <laughs> and, and if indeed you know that American listeners are out there and not figments of these guys' imagination no they are they've that, got 10,000
1: 10, out there
2: that's the, that's the school I went to so there's the little joke explained Isn't there's the joke analogy? explained
1: Well, look, I don't mind admitting that my son, Aidan, and I were in tears of emotional joy when we watched it together, um, and it was incredible. Now, obviously, Graham is not just famous for being um, an amazing, an amazing filmmaker. Go to at gh podcast, and you will find one of the finest sets of interviews that you will ever come across in terms of your listening.
2: Delectation This feels feels how um, When uh, Johnny Craddock Always used to have to explain his his wife's name That's how comfortable this feels Does Um, it? Oh I'm sorry For younger listeners That famous BBC One Tea Time cook was called Fanny Craddock Fanny Craddock Johnny always felt like when he had to explain his wife's name It feels like I feel now that's quite enough of that. It's been good being on um, this. We podcast. really appreciate it, Graham. If, if I don't see you both through the week, I'll see through the transfer window. Oh, <laughs> by the way, don't touch that ravioli; it's garbage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's got and it's got black pudding and haggis in it as well. You've uh, remember we'll start that. Start the
2: driving lessons once you've mastered the walking bit, Gregory. Absolutely, absolutely. Listen, there's
1: always change at Agnes.
2: Ah, there's always change at agnews, budgie. <laughs>
1: Now, with those very, very mysterious references, we're going to wrap this podcast up. If you want to continue the debate, then please do. Uh, Duncan is at Duncan Castles. Graham is at Bumper Graham. And very fitting that is. And of course, we have a very own transfer window handle on Twitter, which is at Transfer Podcast. We will be back on Monday to fulfill all your podcast needs. If you like what you hear, and thousands of you do, please log on to iTunes, give us a five star review. It helps us to enlarge the community, enlarge debate, and therefore give you even more information and entertainment with regards to our future productions. As for now, from this La Liga special, which I'm sure you've all have enjoyed, thanks for listening.